Today's episode of The Throwback is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gomeeting.com slash tips. That's gomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to another edition of The Throwback. Thanks for taking the time to hang out today. Hopefully everybody is doing all right, staying safe. We are here to hopefully provide a little bit of a distraction for you guys. Chris Meany, Jake Seeley, and Brad Ziegler. Last week we talked rookie running backs. Today we are going to talk rookie wide receivers with the NFL Draft just a couple weeks away and a virtual NFL draft and Jake, I'm not sure if anybody has contacted you from the Giants on some Zoom tips. <laughs> no, but hey, that nice little hint, hint, hint there. Uh, if you actually go to the Athletic right now, uh, with the help of Nando and Brandon, I released the How to Draft from Home guide for NFL yes, GMs. You did. Yes, you did. <laughs> did you ever think at so one good. point you would be talking about that leading up to the NFL? Season? No, no. I mean, the best you know, we're on there, like telling them, like, don't forget to mute your mic, and you know, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure your camera's not on when you go to the toilet. Sorry, Jennifer, uh, for everybody that has. If anybody has this, go look up Sorry, Jennifer. Uh, poor Jennifer. Or poor Jennifer. Yes. Poor Jennifer, um, who took uh, her camera phone to her to the toilet while she was on Zoom with her coworkers. Uh, but so it's just, you know, all those kind of things just to help GMs to understand what it's going to be like drafting from home. <laughs> I saw John Haber said yesterday that he was concerned about maybe some hacking if, if, there was if that was going to take place certainly this is and that's one of the tips yeah make sure your passwords are complicated as bleep that's that's what i saw from the article uh amazing stuff brad what do you think about a virtual nfl draft this is the life we're living man i'm kind of excited about it this is at least something to get excited about it doesn't matter <clears throat> for all i don't even care if it's like you got to listen to you know the radio 98.4 fm and or 98.5 fm and you got to listen to the radio to hear a pick i just want something sports related that's not a replay of something from 10 years ago so although yesterday was the 12 year anniversary of Kansas's national title game so i definitely watched oh, that oh baby but, yeah you're not watching any old school tape from you know your playing time in the bigs you know what my my wife suggested that we do that but mostly for our kids' sake, because they were so young. Yeah. <clears throat> they were so young whenever uh, I played that you know my son remembers it a little bit. My daughter has no recollection of it, and um, she's only four right now. He's he just turned six, and so um, she's like, "Why don't we throw some videos on the the have?" And I was like, "You know what? Maybe we could do that sometime. That'd be kind of fun to at least see something." You should turn it into like a college scouting tape, like where they only show the good stuff. So it just really <laughs> that's, out that's the people. only stuff I have tape of. If I had pitched bad, I deleted it. So. I don't have the, I don't have the best go. stuff anymore. <laughs> Hall of Famer with a 0. 0.23 ERA. Yeah, you will never see me give up a run in front of my kids. I'm playing a lot of Diamond Dynasty on MLB The Show. I'm still waiting to add you to my bullpen and uh, to strengthen Ooh. my bullpen. Get, that'd be that'd be nice. A nice little <laughs> probably addition a, there. Probably high trade value though, so it may not be worth it. <laughs> Speaking of that too, I'm glad you said the video games. If anybody else wants to read that, we did our video game draft, 12 rounds or eight rounds 12 teams over at the thing and the votes are still going um who's your first round pick? Say, the, i can't say oh, because they're all anonymous there are no i they're because they're anonymous characters right now uh, because we you. don't want anybody influenced by who the owners were because we all know that if everybody knew the owners mike wright would have stomped us in the voting no matter how good or bad his team was <laughs> the mike wright rule i like that uh, i'm a fan yeah there's lots of good stuff at the athletic of course you know again as i said off the top it's just, it's it's tough times struggling times we're without sports people are talking about old you know 
games that they're watching. I can't really get behind that because I already know what happened, really. Like, you know, we, we talked off air about a game of horse, the NBA. We've been back and forth about maybe potential of baseball happening. You know, the golf match between Woods and Phil Mickelson with Brady and Manning. There may be some things to get excited about, but there's lots of great stuff at The Athletic. Over 150-plus podcasts and no excuse really not to be listening to these podcasts or reading a lot of the great articles. And, you know, there's a lot of writers that are just getting creative out there as well. So you can head to The Athletic dot com slash free 90 days you can check out jake's guide a how to draft from home guide i like some of the tips here uh don't wait on quarterbacks something different you know that we talk about when you're drafting from home in your fantasy drafts don't drink and draft uh, that's that would be a little bit challenging for that was, me uh, that was not those. This, that, that's not <laughs> fair enough that does make sense he's got to get that out there dude that graph on waiting on quarterbacks was worse than i well not it depends on which way you want to spin it it was right. more skewed than I even thought it would be. Like the fact that you're real quick before anybody, like if you want to just know of the 32 starting quarterbacks, I, Chris, you read it. So Brad, yeah. you can guess 32 starting quarterbacks. How many were first round picks right now? As of today, you want to take a guess? Uh, five. 19. Oh, geez. And then Andy, <clears throat> yeah. Andy Dalton, Derek Carr and Drew Locke were 35, 36, 42. If Winston finds a starting job, he was one on one, so yeah, that's and twenty. Was too. If yeah, if yeah. we bump out Fitzpatrick and Dalton at some point, Fitzpatrick Dalton off the jump, that's two more. So now we're up to twenty two. So if Tyrod Taylor gets bumped out for Winston there, so I mean it's just yeah, and Trubisky like, might lose his job. I, so. <laughs> Yes. Well, that would actually go the opposite way. He's currently counted as a first round. Either way, we're around 20 no matter what, which is just crazy to think about, plus another three or four in the second round. Yeah. Wow. Poor, poor Chicago. Poor Bears. And then, of course, Joe Burrow and a few quarterbacks that are going to get drafted. Next week, we're going to talk quarterbacks and tight ends. And then we're going to have one more show before the draft, which takes place on the 23rd. So we'll have one more show, which we'll talk about some of the sleepers, maybe some wide receivers we don't get to today. Certainly, there were a few running backs we didn't get to last week as well. So I'm excited. Also, part of what's at The Athletic, if you head there and you get the free 90 days. And it's not just, as I said before, because we had a couple questions. I'm sure you got some as well, because we've been talking about the 90 days thing for almost a month now, at least since, basically since, you know, NBA and NHL seasons were canceled. It wasn't 90 days from then. It's 90 days the second that you sign up. So you're just going to have three months of just, you know, reading material, podcasts to listen to, all that good stuff. So last week we talked about Jake's top 88 players for the fantasy football uh, draft, or it's not really fantasy football, but it's the real NFL, even though it is a virtual draft. I'm getting confused there. Listen, I am excited, to be honest, because we talked running backs last week. It's exciting, but this class of wide receivers... I mean, there's a few guys here that I just absolutely love, and it's kind of silly to split hairs here between CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, but you know we're kind of going to do that yeah. here today. Jake, I'm going to ask you, who do you think has the higher ceiling, and I also want to know if you were desperate for a wide receiver. I suppose these answers will go hand in hand, but if you were desperate for a wide receiver in an all-rookie draft, who are you taking first, Lamb or Judy? Lamb. Lamb, 100%. Uh, this is a question that I've actually seen a lot, and I already answered this on Twitter. And I said, and while you were saying that, because I, in my tier one, I would throw rugs in there. But something that you just said that I want to put out there for everybody, and this is why this draft is going to be very interesting, is because not only is it deep, it's going to depend on who you fall in love with. And I say you as a team, because there's big guys, there's quick guys, there's over-the-middle guys, there's Big and quick. Like, it just kind of depends on what you see because there's so many options that, you know, you could have, depending on who's the clock in round two, three different wide receivers being the best fit, being something they love. So, um, you know, where we were talking about running backs where I said tier two would normally would be probably like a 1.5. I would probably say the same thing about wide receivers this year. I mean, there's people in wide receiver tier four for me. That some people are talking about second rounder. And I think granted I don't see it, but all it takes is one team to fall in love with somebody. So to go back to your question, I say Lamb over Judy for one reason. I feel Judy needs to fit in the NFL or does best fit in the NFL as in like the Juju Smith Schuster, the Michael Thomas big slot role. I think he's best in that situation where Lamb can play there or he can play out. So he can play XYZ. He can play all three spots. And I think that's why I would take Lamb because the question saying was who would you say is the first one off the board? And I don't want to bet on that because somebody was at, it was Benny Ricciardi. He was uh, asking me who was the first one off the board. I said, I won't do it because 
if it's, you know, somebody like Oakland, I could see them saying, I want Lamb because we already have Darren Waller, so let's not line up our best receiver too close to Waller. Whereas you look at another team, you know, depending on who takes them there, if, you know, maybe it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, even the Dolphins. Well, so now they have Devontae Parker, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's going to depend on who the first team, the Steelers, there you go. Steelers are a good one. If the Steelers go wide receiver in the first round, they're not taking Judy with Judy Smith-Schuster. They would right. take Lamb. So it's going to depend on who the team is the first to they take might a wide receiver take whether or not it's you. They, like, Ruggs would probably there, be see, a, so good, there you go. a good fit yeah. for them, yeah. Yeah, you could group all three of these guys together in tier one, like you said, Jake. For me, honestly, I think it is between Lamb and Judy. Like, no disrespect to Ruggs. We'll get into him in a little bit. You know, we talked about Walter Football last week. Walter Football has, oh, I guess it's not Oakland anymore, and we'll get used to that. I mean, Brad still calls um, the Chargers San Diego from time to time, and I still call the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> and Hockey Phoenix from time oh, to time. Oh, just wait till everybody keeps happen. calling them the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> That's right. You, well, you did when you talked about Oakland. I mean, it's easy to do. It's easy to slip up. So Las Vegas. Well, they're not Las Vegas yet. Not Well, actually, technically they are if you go look at, you know, just the NFL mock drafts and, they? and stuff. Right. They, they well, have the, the LV. Right so I guess we, yeah, we got to pump that into our into our brains right now. But uh, Walter Football has um, Las Vegas taking CD at twelve, uh, San Fran at thirteen. You know, they traded uh, and got the first pick. See, from the Colts. We'll just wait, JJ, yeah, and then Rugs Denver fifteen. Go ahead. Yeah. So, oh, well, so De- I was, that's the one I was going to throw out there is Denver. Denver, I don't think would take CD with Cortland Sutton. I think they would go Judy. But again, maybe they still take CD. Like, you don't have to. I'm just saying where if they felt like – I'll put it this way. And then, Brad, I, I certainly want to know what you think about these three. Or maybe there's more in your tier. But, you know, if it's like, hey, we have Judy. And let's just give them a number grade because that's how Emery does it. So let's say they have Judy at a 9.2 and they have, uh, you know, like CD at a 9.0. So, like, the Broncos might go that way. But it's so close for another team where it's like, all right, that point two is not enough of a difference. He fits our team better, so let's take the one that does play outside. And that that's the key with Henry Ruggs. I think Henry Ruggs is going to be a way more important piece to an NFL team than he will have fantasy relevance. And it, he reminds me a lot of Deshaun Jackson. And it's not that Deshaun Jackson is not not fantasy relevant, but he's not a guy that I want to go out there and start every week on my team because you're waiting for blow-up weeks. And I think he will have a ton of value to an NFL team um, as a guy to take the top off and and be the the stretch the field guy. Teams need that guy to open up the underneath for everybody else. That's a lot different than saying I want to start this guy on a weekly basis on my fantasy team. So I do think Ruggs is going to be a first round pick, but I also don't don't see myself drafting him in any of my in any of my rookie drafts because I I just don't think he's going to be a great fantasy player. Um, that being said. He's a freak athlete, fun to watch, and it'll it'll be interesting to see how he is deployed and and what team grabs him. I I also like Lamb over Judy. Um, Judy to me is a more of a smooth route runner, whereas Lamb is the more dynamic player. And it's actually not even not even close in in my mind from from that perspective. Judy's not gonna be a oh not a guy. I don't I don't feel like he's a guy that's ever gonna just have monster games. But I do think he could potentially turn into a, a Michael Thomas type player where he's not, not gonna have like 50, 60 yard plays routinely, but he might have eight or 10 catches a game. Whereas CD Lamb is more, I look at maybe like a DJ Moore type, um, where stretch the field a little more, bigger plays, bigger chunks every time he catches the ball, but not like a, a you know, uh, take the top off lid, uh, take out the top off field stretcher or anything like that. So it, it's, I just think I would rather have Lamb, um, from a fantasy perspective, but I, I think Judy's probably got a little bit of a safer floor. Yeah, I think Judy is kind of bust proof. I think he's safer, but I agree. I mean, three for three. I am absolutely in love with CeeDee Lamb. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. He's so explosive. He's shifty, speedy. His hands are unreal. Like, some of his grabs, like, he is just a physical specimen, man. Playmaker, the awareness, vision. There's just so much to like. Of course, we're talking about landing spots, and we'll know in a couple weeks. But I think, you know, Judy and Lamb are probably going to get themselves in a pretty good spot, a decent spot. My thing with Ruggs is I just... He kind of reminds me of Tyreek Hillbrand a little bit, like a deep threat, you know, not really a one-trick pony, but I feel like he needs to be in the right spot with an intelligent play caller. Like maybe Denver, if he lands in Denver, fine, opposite of Cortland Sutton, that could be okay. Mm. But I think Jake, what, no, you're like, you don't think he needs to be in a, in a good landing spot with an intelligent play caller. I think, you know, to lo- utilize some of his skill set, I, I don't know. I feel like he could get into a spot and I'm just trying to think of a, of a bad landing spot for him. 
Um, I don't think you can find one. That's the thing. It's like unless you put him in Kansas I mean, City. Kansas City they have, <laughs> well, Kansas City would kill, be a bad landing spot for a lot of people. Because he's got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, because no, he's got. Well, yeah. Uh, well, they brought back to Marcus Robinson, so no fun with that. But like, no, it's. I think you know, and this is fine. Is again, it's going to be a lot of people. I mean, we're going to be splitting hairs on right. like, terrific talents this year. I mean, to put people into tier two, like I said, with the running backs, is to kind of almost disrespect them this year, mm-hmm. just because of how deep it is. But I think he can see, succeed wherever he plays. I actually, uh, Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, like I saw, I even mentioned this in my article. Some people called Ted Ginn. I said that's just disrespectful to him. Yes. Um, not only is he a better player than Ted Ginn, he has better hands than Ted Ginn by far. So I think you throw him. I mean, let's. I mean, we could go down the list here. And I said, you know, well, Cincinnati's basically got. So there's one. There's not bad because you got Tyler Boyd and John Roth. Like you don't want them there. The Redskins, great. Lions probably sure. succeeds, probably supplants Marvin Jones in a year or two, yeah. and probably not off the jump. The Giants probably needed field stretcher, although Darius Slayton's there now. But the Dolphins make sense. I mean, you could work with the Panthers, the Cardinals, just because the Cardinals have eight billion options <laughs> doesn't really work. But I mean, you could go through a lot of these teams, and some of them are just depth wise. Um, and that's where it comes down to the difference between, and this is why we're going to do an after the draft two shows for everybody that week. Uh, this is why is because what Brad said, sure, fantasy, not as appealing. Like tier one, he wouldn't be tier one in fantasy. Tier one, Deshaun Jackson's a good call. Deshaun Jackson is prime though, as much as I love to rag on him, you guys know this. During his prime, yeah, it wasn't 16 games, but it was 10. You know, back to his bad years, it was more like five or six, which is the frustrating part. But you got 10, 11 good games out of 16 where you weren't complaining too much for the peak that he gave you. Uh, but that, that's, again, that's going to be the difference between these two shows. It's like, you know, Brad, we're talking about him as a talent. You know, same thing, Chris. And after fantasy-wise, we're going to be talking about a different situation. And, you know, the the big thing about him is that Ruggs does need to be in that role, that Tyreek Hill, Ted Ginn, he's better than. But that same role is, as you said, that field stretcher who you're not looking for the 5- to 10-yard play very often. Would you be excited about Ruggs in a San Fran uni? Yes. Yeah. But not – I would be more excited for It's an ideal Samuel. landing spot. <laughs> I would be more yeah. excited for, for Debo just the fact that, like, okay, there's somebody else that's a legit weapon there that is going to take focus off. Because with Emmanuel Sanders out of there, they don't have anybody else right now. I mean, it's you're looking you're looking for Jalen Hurd maybe to take a step forward and, and actually play this year. But who else is there? I mean, they, they brought back um, – who, who's the deep the deep threat that's already there? Um, they And they re-signed him. Kindred board. Oh, yeah, they resign him. Yeah. So it's like, it's like at that point, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think Ruggs is a guy that is going to, the moment he goes to a team, whatever other number one wide receiver on that team is there gets the bump. Fair. Let's talk about Judy just a little bit more. Mostly used in the slot in Alabama, but obviously a lot of weapons there, Jake, over the past couple of years can play outside. Mm-hmm. Um, landing spot, of course, um, you know, will dictate that, but do you see him as a as a slot guy in the NFL? I see him as Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the biggest concern you have watching him, uh, well, one is the concentration jobs. He's just too good to drop some of the balls that he does. And that's just, you know, maybe it's teachable. Maybe it's in his head. Maybe somebody can figure out psychological. Like very Amari Cooper-like. With the drops. I, I, you know, there, there's a good comparison there. You know, I'm not saying like he's got mental problems. I'm just saying like, you know, maybe there's something in his head because it's just, it's the point of he's too good to make some of the drops that he does. But outside of that, the biggest concern I think you can see is that the strong corners, like the big corners, like Josh Norman is prime, those kind of corners are going to give him problems. And, but the good news is a lot of those type of corners usually don't move inside. They play outside because of how they are, because they're strong, more long speed. You don't see him come down and drop into that big slot role even. Like Mike, Mike Thomas avoid them for a good amount of time. So you have a Juju Smith Schuster role. Well, guess what? That could be a number one wide receiver. That could be a number one wide receiver in real life and fantasy. He is that talented. He is that good. But to go back to your San Francisco point, and that's one of the reasons I brought them up is, He's not going there. I just, I put it this way. I don't want to say completely not. I would be shocked if he goes there with Kittle and Debo. Like that's not what they need as a Judy. Right, like, he just I agree. doesn't fit there. Um, the Jets, like, you know, I could see, you know, they have Crowder, you know, maybe they try to make the two of them work, but I think that's why he's going to be a little bit more dependent. I think he's fine with the Raiders. I think, again, I would go back to what we said before, Lamb makes more sense, but if the Raiders are in love with him, but it's going to have to be an interesting, situation of how you use him because I think that's where he served best. If he's forced to Brad, I don't know your opinion on this too, but if he's forced to play outside all the time, I actually think he's gonna struggle some. 
Not yeah. obviously. Like I think that would put him more as a what, like a wide like an NFL wide receiver too, just because the big guys are going to give him problems. Yeah, and that's not what you're looking for when you're taking a guy in the top half of the first round from an NFL team's perspective. Right. They want a guy who is an alpha guy, and I I honestly feel like the only guy in this class who is that is C.D. Lamb, and so um, it'll it'll be you know I again. We talked about it at the, off the top. I cannot wait for the draft because it's something there. It's going to lead to a whole lot more debate, and um, it's just it's going to be really exciting to see kind of how this plays out. The DeAndre Hopkins comparisons, I mean, that's as good as it gets for for CD Lamb. Are they fair, Jake? Oh, I thought you were going to say Jerry Judy. I was like, uh. no, Judy's more kind of reminds me a little bit like Odell. He's got that leg shake. It's man, it's. It's effective, but it's strange with like when he's running and he really can just like shift the D back. Like it's, it's crazy, right. but I think Lamb, I think it's fair. Well, see, that's for a Hopkins, good comparison but... too. Well, I was going to say that Odell Beckham for Judy was fair at it. You know, obviously that would be his peak performance to turn into sure. that, but, yeah. um, no, the, the, the usage, they said, you know, you know, Odell Beckham was lined up all over the place and he, yeah. you know, was used kind of more inside than outside for his true success. And not to say that he can't win, but that's a good comp of like, hey, you're not going to want him to just purely be that X outsider. So I think Lamb Hopkins, uh, it's funny you say that because when you guys were talking about the other ones, I didn't want to cut you guys off, but I was going to say like you would, when Brad was talking, I was going to say Hopkins is kind of a good one in my mind. Somebody that, you know, is just going to overpower, overwin, catch all the balls. Uh, he's never going to really get behind somebody and put 20 yards of separation, but he can put up a 40 yard play just because you just you can't tackle him. You can't even muscle him out of the position. So I think like a Julio Jones, even I think you know. Again, we're talking about this is their peak performance. Like this is what we hope they could be. And I'm not saying he's guaranteed to be, but I think the the Julio Jones and the Hopkins of the world are like where you want Lamb to end up if he reaches his peak. So we'll definitely probably see these three guys go. I, I honestly think within the first 15 picks, probably definitely 20, I think we'll see at least three wide receivers go. Well, the uh, over-under is five and a half right now. Okay, yeah. Give me the under. <laughs> probably lean under there as well. I think we could see as many as four, uh, but five and a half, that's, that is a big number for so, sure. Yeah, five and a half, I would take the under. If it was four and a half, I would just, I wouldn't stay away it. from it. I would stay, I would stay yeah. away. Yeah, stay away for sure. Um, it seems like the Raiders are going to get one of these three guys. And Brad, I know how much you love the Raiders. Yeah, they're um, my favorite team. <laughs> so who do you want them to draft out of these three? Uh, how about JJ to pair him up with his former teammate, Josh <laughs> Jacobs? You want Ruggs? Okay. That's yeah, yeah. Well, that's his former teammate. Ruggs too, is your so. least favorite of the three. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and, and Ruggs, Ruggs, I think, is the easiest the easiest to scheme against. Um, just because. No, no, no. Right. Who do you want to legitimately? Like, you got to put your I Raiders think, hat on I, for a second. I think, so. I think they will take Jerry Judy. I, but I, the other thing is, I really, I, I think they them, take Lamb. That's I funny. Can see I think they take Lamb too. I could see them going a different position at twelve, and then taking wide receiver at nineteen, and 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 potentially they, they have you know with there. the yeah with the yeah right and there's so with multiple first round picks, I think they have um, just the the ability to, to to explore. They might even I could see them trading up and doing something completely different, like to take both those picks and trade up to Washington or something, and say, hey, we'll give you both these picks, and and we want Chase Young. You know, that kind of thing. So, it, I don't know. Who knows? They, they're they going to get a receiver at some point. Um, whether it's going to be in the first round or not, they need a first-round receiver for sure. Um, they they need one of these elite 100%. guys. So, hopefully they'll, you know, from, from their perspective and as a Chiefs fan, hopefully they won't take one. <laughs> well, they will. They're going to take one of these three guys. Uh, I think it's going to be Lamb. All right, so we would take the over on three and a half wide receivers in the first round. Jake, who do you think is the fourth wide out off the board come draft day? I got to say, like, there's probably two or three. <laughs> so, like, the five and a half worries me. The four and a half is why I would stay away is because I could see two more going. I think it's going to be these three. The other – I'll give you a couple names. I think you could see Justin Jefferson – I think you could see KJ Hamler somewhere kind of maybe in a not, it really depends on what somebody wants because Hamler, I said, is a bit like, it's funny because we're talking about rugs is like a better Ted Ginn. I think he's a better Cole Beasley, uh, but you know, that just depends. T Higgins, I could see going there. Uh, Pittman, I could see going and those are mine. 
And then there's some people that fall in love with Chenault. I said before, um, like somebody's falling in love with Chase Claypool, and I don't like Chase Claypool. I have Chase Claypool in Tier 4. I don't think we were going to even originally talk about it today, but we could uh, for that reason. It's going to depend. Like, I mean, even Jalen Rager before his testing, like some people were talking about him. So it wouldn't shock me if five go. I think the best one, I can get your opinion too, Brad. And uh, Chris, you asked the question. You didn't even give your opinion on it. I would say if I had to pick my fourth, I would say Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's my number four too. Um, another name I've heard sneaking up into the bottom of the first in, at least in some mocks, is Brandon Ayuk. And the, uh, we talk about, well, he I know, surgery too. Yeah. And then he, he did just have core, uh, core muscle surgery yesterday. So, so that, you know, potentially will hurt. But also the fact that there's no OTAs makes it to where he's got plenty of recovery time now, um, before he would be, he won't be missing anything, uh, at that point. So I don't know. There's, um, the, the guy who I like, um, who, who is, even lower on your list. And I don't know. Um, I'm not sure where the NFL views him, but I really like Brian Edwards out of South Carolina and I could see him jumping up into the, I don't know about the late first, but maybe the early second round uh, to a team that, that really falls in love with him too. You're going right off the board just, here. Why do you like him so much? I, yeah, you go and then I'll tell you why I have him where I have him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's um, I, okay. So, Number one, he, his breakout age is the youngest maybe in history. Like he was 17 years old when he went in and dominated at South Carolina. And, and that, to do that at that age and that conference is, is just extremely impressive to me. Um, I wish we could have seen him test. The broken foot thing really sucked because he was a guy that he's 6'3, 212. He's a, just a big bodied guy. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like he could have a monster NFL career kind of. A little bit along the lines of, I mentioned earlier, like Michael Thomas, a big possession receiver that's going to be a red zone threat. And I just think he's, I don't know, there's just something there when I watch him, I'm like, man, this guy just, I would love to have him on my team. And, and granted, we mentioned earlier, the Chiefs are not drafting a wide receiver. They brought back the entire offense from last year outside of LaShawn McCoy and everybody else is back. And so they're not taking a wide receiver. They have plenty of that already, but he, I feel like he would be a perfect fit to replace like Sammy Watkins, like he did get Watkins off the team, put Brian Edwards on the team and, and you're not missing anything, but you're saving a whole lot of money. So I'll give you the last part of my breakdown on Brian Edwards. He's in tier four, but I said, he just needs to be more complete to be a true number two. He's in my tier four, probably the highest ceiling in tier four. Although there's people out there who will say that, you know, maybe there's out there like Chase Claypool fans, which, Again, I said his name like three times now. I guess we got to talk about Man, it. Man, they're really – but let's – yeah, let's talk about him. I mean, they're well, – you're uh, right. So I'll t- I'll say, really I'll like get, Well, I'll ju- so I'll talk about Edwards, and then we can talk about Claypool, and then we can come back around. So for Edwards, again, I can see him being a number two. So I'll compare two things here. One is I'm going to go back to my scouting report in Marquise Lee when he came out of college. And that's similar to Brian Edwards, not the same player, but similar concerns. And as Marquise Lee showed – he can fix it, but it took Marquise Lee almost three years. It's the biggest thing is he curls and runs soft routes. Brian Edwards just is so physically gifted, similar to Marquise Lee, that he doesn't run, he doesn't, he's not, he's not precise. And that's very coachable. Marquise Lee, and hopefully maybe he te- learns it in a year and it doesn't take him three years like Marquise Lee. But because of that also, Press and man coverage, like, so there, there's one thing is the very beginning of his positives, I said he eats zone co- coverage for breakfast. The dude knows how to find space. He finds space all the time. Do not play zone against him. He will be open. Man coverage and press coverage is a whole different ball game. He gets locked up constantly. But kind of what you said, Brad, he's still young. He still has coachable traits that can get him past that. And given his size, he should win a lot more contested passes than he does. And that's the other concern. So those are my concerns. All that being said is he has number two upside Ceiling. And I just think that to what you said at the top of the show, I think he's a great let somebody else draft him, get frustrated while he's so young and still learning, and then go get him after a year of frustration or something like that where he doesn't play this year. On the Claypool side of it, I'm going to loop somebody in with him to tier three, Denzel Mims and Chase Claypool combined together. This is a proof of don't get caught up in the hype, don't get caught up in the hype of the testing. And it's the combine because with Claypool – Look, he's very similar to Miles Boykin from last year. You guys know I like Miles Boykin, and I still do. I think they're both very similar. But one thing we're starting to see is it's not just Claypool. It's not just Boykin. It's a lot of Notre Dame players. 
maybe, maybe there's coaching going on there that teaches them how to test well. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes tests can fool you. If you watch Claypool play, his 40 time does not match him playing. You watch him play. He plays slow. I wish he would play as fast as he does in a 40 time. As a Notre Dame fan, this is the same guy I told you time and again to, to, to not overrate their guys and not overrate Equinamia St. Brown. So Claypool <laughs> runs slow. It, like he, like he's going to win on the flip side of Brian Edwards. He's going to win the 50 50 balls. He won a lot of passes that should have been more on target because of Ian Book. He is a strong, he's a great NFL blocker. He will be on the team as a three or four to start. But unless he figures out how to turn that 40 speed into a game speed, Brad, I just don't see him being anything more than a chain mover, red zone, number three. Demarcus Robinson, just just that guy. And Demarcus Robinson has better speed than Claypool does. Yeah, so the, this is one of the guys. There are two guys in this in this class that I feel like instantly should make a position change the moment they are in there. Chase Claypool needs to be a tight end. And, and what he did. I don't agree with that, all that, but I, 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 you're not, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying there's, you're not uncommon saying that. I don't, yeah, here's my reason. If he's 6'4, 238 and, and fast. So you're talking elite athleticism as a tight end and not elite athleticism as a wide receiver. And that to me is the difference. If he's the, if he went to the combine and say, Hey, I'm going to switch to tight end. I think he's the number one tight end in this class. And if as a wide receiver, you're talking about maybe like the 10th or 15th wide receiver in this class. And that's a ton of draft capital that he's losing by doing that. And I know these guys are looking. The other guy, I mentioned there was two. The other guy is Antonio Gibson, who insists on being tested as a wide receiver. He needs to switch to running back, in my opinion. He played both at Memphis. And and I, I think um, I think they would both be um, – or not. Did Antonio Gibson, you go to Memphis, my – Am I on yeah. the right school there? Anyways, he played he played both running back and he played both running back and wide receiver um at, at in college and Memphis. Yeah. Memphis. Yeah, okay. Said, yeah. So they're they're looking at contracts right now. What contracts are running backs getting? Not great ones. What contracts are tight ends getting? Not great ones. What contracts are wide receivers getting? They are breaking the bank. That is the sole reason why these agents are saying, no, 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 you want to be a wide receiver, you want to be a wide receiver. And because they're they're getting double the contracts. And you know, um, Amari Cooper, five years, a hundred million dollars. Michael Thomas just signed an obscene extension. That's when you're an elite wide receiver, you get a monster deal. When you're Todd Gurley, when you're Melvin Gordon, when you're the best Running backs in free agency, Gurley, Gurley signed an extension that was, everybody agreed was an overpay and now no one's doing it. And the money's just not the same there. And that's why I think these guys are so insistent on staying at wide receiver. And I think it would, it would be in his best interest to say, I want to be a tight end and then all of a sudden become the number one tight end in this class. You want to talk about Chase Claypool, Jake, before we get back and circle back around to, um, the second JJ? Oh, he just did. Just with the tight ends? You just no dice, just oh, no. I just I just don't think no because I still I like so with Antonio Gibson, um, I actually Gibson I, is a cheat yeah, code. He's got some. He's pretty underrated. Well, actually. I listed him at a running back. Um, yeah. So uh, not to that point. Actually, you know what? Instead of Claypool, I'll give you a question that somebody asked me in the comments. So this will be a good comparison. So he said he's the highest I've ever seen Van Jefferson ranked. Um, no, not Van Jefferson. Sorry, that's not the one I wanted to bring up. Is where, where's the one that I wanted to bring up? Oh, oh, Duvernay. That's where it was. Texas. Oh, yeah. For so Duvernay, person is we're talking about switching positions. Mm-hmm. He said, "Is could he be better as a running back given his size and ability?" And so what I'm saying about Claypool is the same thing I'll say about Duvernay. I said I think that'd be a failed coaching job to move him to running back. I think somebody had failed Duvernay or Duvernay fails himself. The same thing with Claypool. I understand everything you just said, Brad. I do. I understand the people that keep saying it and have been saying it for months that Claypool should move the tight end because of how he plays. He plays slow. So what I'm saying is I don't think the book is closed. I don't think it's like I don't think we should immediately move him now. Like I think you still give him a chance to succeed at wide receiver. Take some of that track speed, if you want to call it, the the testing speed. Take some of that. And see if, you know, with an adequate quarterback, you keep coaching him up. Maybe you just chest him. If it was Madden, you just have him run all the speed drills every time during the week <laughs> while you're building your player. Yes, like, yes, yes. Teach him skill, like teach him, coach him, train him up, and maybe you get that out of him. And then, maybe after a year, maybe you've already seen it, then you move to tight end. And that's where I agree with you. Same thing with Antonio Gibson. Then you move, but don't give up on it 
out of the gate. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I just don't want to see somebody immediately say, nope, we're not letting you be a wide receiver. Yeah, I could see right. all that. And, you know, Walter Football really likes him. I mean, he got him going to the Colts at 44, ahead of a lot of these guys. You brought up Mims. We'll get into him a little bit. Um, they have him going 30th to the Packers. They have the Colts there, 44, <laughs> I know. Um, but Justin Jefferson was the fourth off the board, according to them. Um, you know, what's the NFL comp? Obviously, Joe Burrow... You know, there was a connection there between those two guys. Uh, I'll let you break down some of the things with, with Jefferson. I want you to talk a little bit more about him. Maybe just you talked about him in a positive way, but what are some things that you, when you, you know, with your breakdowns, you give a positive, you give a negative, and then you kind of give the equal in the breakdown. I don't give too much away, but what's the one thing that you would like to see more from Justin Jefferson, something he needs to work on? Uh, I actually think he's kind of, so when I was talking, I forget what podcast I said, you know, this is going to sound bad, but I kind of compared, I said, like, if you took Judy and rugs and co- combine them like negatives, but it's not all the negatives. It's just, he's not quite as struggling or as struggling. He's not, he doesn't struggle as much as rugs uh, in the short area. And he doesn't struggle as much as Judy against the big, big corners, but he has a little bit of both. So it's like he's combined, but not to their degree. Uh, so the very first thing I said is he struggles versus man. Uh, the, the big thing, too, is you can actually see where he struggles versus man. If you watch him run downfield, a lot of times anybody out there who's ever watched NFL, like you don't even have to be a scout of any level, but you've watched the game and you've seen a wide receiver on the sidelines and they don't get a foot in or they're like towing the like. There's a way to play the wide receiver position where you give your quarterback space. You probably even heard the commentators say, like, oh, he should have given him more room. Well, he, what they mean is give him more room is you don't run yourself up against the sideline to where there's no room to fit the ball in. And then even if you do, you potentially don't even get both feet in bounds. Justin Jefferson struggles a lot with that. If you watch him, like, a lot of times he's letting himself drift or even get pushed towards the sideline. And that's a man route thing. That's like – that's so – I love his positives. I love he's really smooth in his routes. He does avoid contacts out of his routes, but when he's going deep, when he's going down the sidelines, that's where the big guys, and that's where he can struggle a little bit. So, again, most years, Brad, I think he probably would have been in the conversation to be a first-round wide receiver. Yeah, he's and he's – I mean, he was productive as a sophomore too, so it's not like this last year was the only the only year where you're like – Holy cow, this guy had 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. Yeah, like, that offense was just insane. Yeah, he had he had the exact same, actually a slightly lower percentage of target share in 2019. He had 21.5% of the targets. He had 21.9 as a sophomore, but only had 54 catches and 875 yards. It, they just threw so much more last year that it just took his numbers off the charts. And they were, they, they were so dynamic at every position. I mean, Jamar Chase on the other side is going to be the number one receiver most likely in the 2021 class. So, so when that, when you have that on the other side, it makes life a whole lot easier for a guy. I, I like Jefferson quite a bit, but I, I feel like he's a guy that will potentially struggle as a rookie and be a whole lot better in his second year. And I, I mentioned this to, to um, Chris, you know, as we were just talking, there are guys that I love to target. So I love going after running backs in my rookie draft. And then I like going after second year wide receivers as trade targets whenever their value has dropped. Like Andy Isabella, Paris Campbell, that type of player were like, they were a first round pick in rookie drafts last year. And there's no way you'd have to give that up right now to get them. I'd, I'd give up a second or third rounder for those guys you know, in a heartbeat just because of the upside. And it's, it's better upside than what you're mostly going to get out of anybody you're drafted in that spot. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. So the, the reason I really want to ask negative is because the offense LSU was, it was just so, it was so good. And, and there's so much to like about that offense and, you know, watching Justin Jefferson, six, three long, great hands extension. You, you talked about the right route running Jake. I mean, I think your exact words were just like glides in his routes um, from, from the article. I think maybe it lacks elite speed, but let's look at maybe a team like the Eagles who are going to be looking for a wide receiver in this draft. And if they're picking at 21, you brought up Justin Jefferson and you also brought up KJ Hamler. Who would you rather see them pick? What would be a, a better fit? For the Eagles? Yeah. Uh, I'm just being Jefferson. selfish here. I, I want to know. <laughs> I would say Justin Jefferson. Okay, I talk to me about need... Hamler then. Okay, I so thought you well, actually go ha- there. <laughs> no, well, so, so Hamler. So I just I don't see like well, granted Aguilar's gone, but <laughs> yes. they 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 need a number one. That was the whole point about Deshaun. I mean, maybe Deshaun Jackson has something left that they're missing for the entire season, but. 
if not, I can see Hamler working for them. I just think Jefferson is better for like it's easier to find a Hamler than it is a Jefferson. Although I think Hamler's a little bit disrespectful of what he could be because, like I said, he's a better Cole Beasley, a better Cole Beasley. But similar to that, like I mean, my last thing talking about video games, I said he's video game like and running his routes. This dude is just good God. Like I, I pray that you can try and cover him. Let alone if the play breaks down and he starts just freelancing, forget about it. It's like some. It's like when you're playing like flag football and there's that one dude out there that's like, uh, is this guy really from like a college football team? Why, like, whose friend is this? Like, who's who brought this guy that nobody can even get his flag? That's KJ Hamler. He's just a freaking jitterbug. That's a good way to put it. Nice. But, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, here's the concern though. Look at his size. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's gonna be. It's going to limit him. I, I hate the fact that it's going to limit him. And if you'll see him sometimes, he'll shy away from the middle of the field after the catch. Or there's even been some passes where I don't want to say he turtled up, but there's like uh, maybe he saw the hit coming. And, you know, it's understandable. Look at his size. Like, yeah. I, that would be in the back of my mind. <laughs> I got to tell you, if I saw a 6'4", 250 running back screaming down at my face and I'm about to run up against him at Hamler's size, I'm probably ducking too. So, I'm not going to fault him for that, but if you want to look at like for fantasy and for what real life of somebody could be, Cole Beasley proved last year of how good that kind of option could be. And again, I think he's better than Cole Beasley. I think he could be a number two on a team, but somebody like the Eagles, I think they need a Jefferson. I think, uh, you know, if the, like, let's say the, the, the inverse of the rate, like, I, I think if you put him in a Renfro spot on the Raiders and the Raiders drafted a big wide receiver, I think he could be even better than Renfro. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. Brad, go ahead on Hamler because size is definitely a concern. There's some drops, not physical. Jay kind of alluded to all of that, but size is certainly a concern with KJ. Yeah, for sure. And, and his style of play, not, I'm not saying this is his ceiling because we're talking about a Hall of Famer here, but his style of play reminds me of Isaac Bruce, where, especially when, like, when Kurt Warner got there, they would, they would just catch the ball, he, he'd get what he could and then go down, like Jake was talking about, but he is way shiftier than Isaac Bruce is. It's, it, or Isaac Bruce was. It was, it's impressive watching this guy, like Jake said, he, he can make anybody miss at any point, but at some point, he's just gonna go down because he knows he's gonna die if he gets hit. Like, he, he's just, he's so, he, he looks, He's listed at 5'11", 178 in his combine measurements. He feels smaller than that when you watch him. I don't know if he's got like tiny shoulder pads or something, but it, it just, there, you look at him, it's like, golly, this guy looks like Darren Sproles out there on the field. Um, but he's, he, I, I don't have him quite as high as Jake, but I see the appeal from an in, the NFL side of things, why you would want this guy on your team. T. Higgins is a guy that you're familiar with at Clemson, Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You watch a lot of T. Higgins. I did. Think about him and who, who, who's the NFL comp for him in your opinion? Okay. So uh, NFL comp is, this is a hard one for me because he did not test very well at his pro day and it, it concerned me a little bit. Like I feel, but I feel like watching him, I never thought he was fast. I never, I always just thought he was a really good contested catch guy. And so my high end comp, like who he reminds me of was Des Bryant. And it's, I don't know if that's even fair to say like, Hey, this is his comp. This is who I think he's going to be. But at any given point when, when Clemson needed a big play, they were throwing the ball to this guy and it didn't matter if he was covered or not. And most of the time it just felt like he always came down with the ball and it's, it, uh, I, I don't know. There's just something about watching him where I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know if this translates to the NFL, but if it does, he's going to be really good. It's, it's kind of a, high ceiling, low floor play for me because I could see a scenario as much as I like the guy where he basically bottoms out and is almost nothing in the NFL because he's not overly athletic. Yeah, I think the bigger thing that you're saying is like Dez actually isn't a bad response. And I, I got to say, I will on the good side of it, what I you remember this, Chris, when we used to do shows, Des Bryant doesn't need to be more than Des Bryant is. Like, <laughs> like right. that's fine for all the people that are out there. Like, oh look, this is Des not separating. Let's show these fifteen plays of Des not separate. I don't care. Des doesn't need to separate. He's Des Bryant. It's a matchup like, nightmare. Yes. Yeah. If he did separate, we'd be talking about one of the best receivers of all time. But that's just what he is. But that doesn't need to be a bad thing. I, I do understand, and I, I see where Brad's saying that you know potential downfall of T Higgins, and maybe he doesn't even end up being anything. But I do like the guy's six four two fifteen, and he uses every inch and ounce of his body 
on the downside, similar to what Brad was saying, he's very stiff in his lower half. It's like Des Bryant. He doesn't separate, but he wins those 50-50 balls. If he muscles up and even gets a little bit crisper in his routes to the point where he snaps some of those off and does get a little bit of separation, I think he has number one NFL upside. I don't think he will be. I think he's true number two. But a true number two isn't a bad thing. Again, like, you know, all the people out there, and I'm, I'm not coming for Brad. I'm just coming for the people in general. Like, a number two in the NFL, you're still in the, what, top 25? Like, let's chill out a little bit. Like, maybe top 35 at worst if you're in the NFL as a top two? Yeah, it's fine. Yes, I agree. Are you getting some comments? A number two? T. Higgins, what a bum. Uh, but yeah, six four two fifteen matchup nightmare. I think the ceiling is there to your point. Um, there are a couple other guys I want to talk, uh, talk about before we wrap up, but Brad, I did want to bring up the question about just, is it fair to say that he kind of disappeared in tougher matchups and he dominated lesser opponents? It's kind of what I feel like when I watch a lot of film is that he really took advantage of some, some, some soft matchups. I know he is a matchup nightmare and we saying that, but is there any truth to that? Um, I don't know. I, I always thought he was pretty good in, in the big games. The, the biggest thing that he doesn't have the, the huge counting numbers because in the ACC, they blew out so many teams where he wasn't even playing in the second half of a lot of games. And so he, when, when you look at his, you know, his third year stats and you're like, oh, he only had just, you know, what, just over a thousand yards or something like it, it, it's not overly impressive because he was hardly ever in the game at the end of the game. Um, he did, he did struggle a little bit in the postseason and there was rumors in, in, you know, like the Clemson circle or whatever that he was hurt and, and trying to basically play through it in the, in the national championship game, he was obviously hurt. Like he, he got hurt in the game left. Um, I, I don't, can't remember if it was like a, they thought maybe a concussion or something like that. I thought he left but, twice, didn't he? Yeah, he, it was multiple times. And so he, he definitely, they were, they were going out there with Justin Ross as their number one. And I like Justin Ross, but he's, it's not the same having Ross out there as it is with having T Higgins on the other side. So, um, it's, but he, you know, he, he just didn't have a chance, in my opinion, to, to do that elite stuff because there were, number one, they just didn't play that many good teams. And so his opportunity to do that was very limited. And, and it was always at the very end of the year when, He's banged up and and just wasn't himself at the end. Jake, man, that Jalen Rager, he's explosive, man. Eh? <laughs> he's yeah, he's a big play. First words of my thing, big play waiting to happen. Uh, I think the biggest problem with Rager is the testing. Now it's funny that we're saying a four four seven forty is like, oh my god, what the hell happened? But you know, this is he was in the conversation of to be up there with the Ross in the in the four twos, and then the well, that, and that's his home, fault. He said he was gonna right. try to beat Ross. Yeah, well, and, he pumped uh, himself up. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I and then the three cone was a seven three one, and I want to bring up both of those because here's the thing. Like, so I will point out the negatives just because that's kind of what a lot of he's getting so far because of what happened at the combine. And to your point, Brad, yeah, it's, he created some of his own problems. Another guy struggles against press and strong corners, and this is something that you'll see from a lot of college and I hate putting that in there so many negatives is it like but this is why I don't say like oh this is his flaw these are things that it can improve there's a lot of wide receivers that come out of college that struggle against press I mean that's a very common thing especially with some of the offenses you see out there and now we're talking big 12 football and stuff like that but you know some of that you watch him and I thought Emery said it best and I was trying to word it another way because I didn't want like I saw the exact same thing and I didn't want to say the exact same thing but you watch some of the plays that were missed by Rager, and you sit there and you wonder, was it the quarterback or was it Rager? Somebody wasn't on the same page. Now, if it's Rager, that's a major concern. If it's the quarterback play, which would be more understandable at what was at Texas Christian, then you're like, all right, let's give Rager a little bit of a pass. But now when you go back to the testing, on the good side is quick, fast, gets to the top speed fast despite his 447. And again, 447 is still good. Keeps his speed going. He's good after the catch, can get downfield. I put in this person's name in the draft, in the draft breakdown. DK Metcalf. Like DK Metcalf, everybody talked about his three cone. Oh my God. Seven, three, eight, a little bit slower than Jalen Rager. If a team uses Jalen Rager in the right way, as the Seahawks use DK Metcalf in the right way, not only forget fantasy, as we just saw, top 30 wide receiver, Jalen Rager could be a top 30 wide receiver, but you got to use him in the right way. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, D- DK Metcalf's a lot bigger um, than Rager, so um, yes. the the size well, comparison is like bigger than everybody. Yeah, sure, <laughs> but he, you know, Rager's five eleven, two hundred six, and so he needs to win w- with technique because, or uh, technique slash athleticism, because he's he's not going to just be able to outmuscle anybody. Last year was pretty disappointing, even even though with terrible terrible quarterback play at TCU. In the Big 12, it's a conference not known for its defense, and especially from the cornerback position. And 43 catches, 611 yards, five touchdowns. It took a, a major step back from the year before, where he went 72 for over a thousand and nine touchdowns. And that that was What's a concern to me. Stuff I was talking about. Yeah, it's 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 it was their offense was atrocious. I I will admit he reminds me a lot of Christian Kirk when he came out of Texas A&M. In oh, that, in I that was thinking he, of somebody else. Yeah. Oh, uh, who were you thinking of? I was Will Fuller with better hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. I don't. He kind of reminds me of Deshaun Jackson a little bit. Yeah, he's. I mean, that's I about like, the right about right I size. I think comparison. we need to throw Deshaun Jackson's name out. Like we gotta stop using him. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these guys, though, when you write ups and when we're breaking them down, like a lot of them are pretty explosive after the catch, like very Deshaun Jackson like. Right. And so, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the problem when you write up fifty wide receivers. <laughs> you have a lot of overlap. Yeah, for sure. Let Brad finish. I, yeah. I like Rager a lot. He's actually on my personal board. He's my number three wide receiver. Um, so I, I have him pretty high. I, I'm a big fan, and I, I just think it's all about fit. You get him in the right situation, and I think he can be a star. So I was going to bring him up. When I brought up the Eagles and I was talking about Hamler and Jefferson, I was going to bring up Rager, but then I had the Deshaun Jackson comparison in the back of my head, and I didn't want to go there, even though Jackson is probably on the way out. Jake, you wondered if he has anything left. I'm sure he does, maybe a little bit, but this is somebody who's completely on the way out for sure. Um, you know, when I when I, when I brought up that explosive comment, I thought you were going to explode because it's exactly <laughs> what you said in, in your write-up, Jake. If one more person calls him explosive, I'm going to explode. And I didn't really get that out of you. Um, but when, when Brad brought up Ayuk earlier, uh, as somebody who's treading up the board, and I am seeing him go a little bit earlier in mocks compared to maybe this time a month ago. He, he wasn't somebody that I saw in, in a second, a second round pick for, for example. I did hear you kind of, when he was brought up. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Brandon. He's definitely somebody who needs to be coached up a little bit. I think a number three yeah. best. So, look, they, I have him in tier three. And here's the thing. I said he's a very gifted wide receiver, but he, like, with the ball in his hands, um, looks like a wide receiver, plays like a wide receiver. Uh, the problem is he doesn't – this is another one – doesn't use his size. He has the size but loses contested balls. Like, this is something that, like – it's the point of catch. Some people, you see people talk about like players high point or on, you know, muscle out body position and stuff like that. He doesn't seem to know. I don't know. Like, like I say, I say no because this is something you can learn as a wide receiver. He doesn't seem to know how to use his body properly when it comes to the point of the catch. And, uh, the big thing is he's got the size, uh, and he's already got the yards after catch. Like it's, he rarely gets tackled. And then, like, as soon as he catches the ball. Now, again, if he's jumping for the ball, it's a different thing. Throw those out, obviously, if you're jumping in the air. But um the big thing, like, really is not just the 50-50, but that carries over. Not to go to the press coverage thing again, but some of these guys where you say struggle against press coverage. All right, so they struggle, and the timing can be off. So there's a play that might not come their way. Uh, it might take them an extra second or two, so you have to look for ways to help get them up. The problem with Ayuk is... I see he gets bottled up like he's somebody that just like it's one of those ones where you're watching the play and you're kind of like so I'm going to pull Mims into this for a different reason but it's like is he blocking like you look at him you're like what is he doing like is does he did he think this is a running play like because he just can't get away from the guy on the flip side to bring Mims into this this is why I don't like Mims as much as a lot of people do who another test freak is I, I, I texted Emery this I watched a, a series and it was three straight plays of him running routes Two of them, I legitimately watched him and said, this is a run play because he was off screen from like, you're just watching this, this focus. It was all three routes. He just ran into the corner and initiated contact. And with those kind of things in the NFL, if you can't get away from college corners that are just tying you up with their hands and their body, you're not breaking away from anybody in the NFL. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I was talking about, Brad, is, is he definitely needs to be coached up a little bit. For sure. And he, I mean, and you can see that this is a guy who went to Juco for two years. So he, at Juco, you don't expect a guy to come out of there as a very polished receiver. Granted, he had Herm Edwards the last couple of years. You'd think that there's, there's some, he, he probably made some progress there, but 
there's a couple concerns for me in addition to that. Number one, as a junior, he had 33 catches playing opposite Nikhil Harry. And everybody, you know, obviously Nikhil Harry checked some, some nice boxes, but that was a big bust in his first year in the NFL. And is he, you know, Tom Brady on Howard Stern this morning said it was, he was very vocal internally about lacking confidence in his wide receivers. And that's, that's a concern for me that he wasn't any better with, when, when Nikhil Harry was on the other side. Like it's not a, not a superstar that he was, it was playing opposite. The second thing that I do like about him is he was very explosive in the punt return game. And I like seeing special teams production out of a guy because that tells me a college coach says, we need to get the ball in this guy's hands. Put him back at kick returner, put, put him back at punt returner because he's one of the best athletes we have on our team. And we need, and that, that's, that's a big concern to me with Jerry Judy. Like why wasn't Jerry Judy used in that, in that form in any way? Zero. He had zero running back carries, zero returns in his, in his college career. At least at Arizona State, granted, slightly different program than Alabama, but he, they were they were putting him back there and, and saying we got to get the ball in this guy's hands, and so there is some dynamism there. Um, but but he got he's such a late breakout dynamism. that it just like it, it really makes me concerned um, that he's going to take a long time to develop in the NFL. Yeah, I'm not going to have any interest in him in redraft leagues. I don't care where he he lands. A um, couple more guys, maybe before we wrap up here. LaVisca Chenault was, is in tier three. I don't want to give it too much away, Jake, but tier three just narrowly missed tier two, according to your write up. But Michael Pittman did make it in there at a USC, uh, big wide out, 6'3, 220. What do you like about him? Uh, go back to T. Higgins. Very similar. 6'3, 220, as you mentioned. And actually, he, he has arms that he uses better than Higgins and runs the routes well. Uh, the thing is, the deep routes, you're not going to see a ton of those, uh, to get off that, like, you're not going to also hit him, like, on a five-yard in real quick. Um, so you have, obviously, so what Brad said something about T. Higgins. On the flip side, you kind of worry about Pittman is the volume. Like, is he volume produced? Is it because he, like, saw 18 billion targets per week because he was all USC had? It's a little legitimate concern that people will always throw out there, but I also look at the USC hasn't actually had a great offense where you're scared of multiple pieces or amazing quarterback play in a while here. So, you know, you can throw this is again. It, what what do you want? I guess that's what everybody out there is going to go back to the NFL team. What do you want? So watch the player. If you watch the player, I think he has number two upside. If you watch him, I think he could be a top twenty five top, top <laughs> what twenty five <laughs> wascally wabbit a top twenty five <laughs> wide receiver in the NFL. Forget fantasy. I'm just again we're just focusing mostly on the NFL. I think yeah. he has that ability. Yeah, and I I will say this. I I like a couple of the other receivers that USC had this year. So he did have some other guys playing opposite him and he was still able to 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 have massive production. 101 catches, 1200 yards, 11 touchdowns. I really like Amon Ray St. Brown um that that is probably going to be coming out next year. So there's a really good chance that that this ends up looking better down the road after we see how good these other guys are at USC. It's like, wow, he was really good when he had these other guys on his team. Um, I, I like Pittman quite a bit. Um, my only concern is that he was, he's a senior. He, you know, a lot of the guys that I really like for upside are guys that are, that come out early. Um, they're, they're just so gifted that the college game can't hold them down. And, and he, I mean, as a junior, 41 catches, 758 yards, six touchdowns, like very pedestrian numbers, uh, especially in, in a Pac-12. So, um, I, I do like him. Um, I think he's actually, he, he's a lot like T. Higgins, but even more athletic. He's definitely a better jumper than T. Higgins, but I, I also don't feel like he wins the contested balls at the same rate T. Higgins does. Um, player profiler compares him to Dwayne Bowe. I think that's a really interesting comp because they're, they're both big bodied guys. Um, good. Dwayne Bowe was a great red zone threat and that, that could be what his role is. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Des Bryant for, for T Higgins. That could be very well be Michael Pittman. Really want to talk about Antonio Gandy Golden. Do it. We'll close it out with him. Let's close it out with him. Actually, there's really, we kind of already touched on LaVisca, but. Was health a concern at all for you, Jake, to go to three to two? I mean, no. speed, size, strength, strong hands certainly could adjust, which is something he had to do with the quarterback play in Colorado. But it wasn't anything to do that. What? What? Splitting hairs here. What was the difference between just the the bump to three? Uh, routes, routes, yeah. routes, routes. Uh, okay. The ins, the quicks, the like basically limited routes right now. And it's not just the ins and the quick routes, which I think are. I don't want to say awful, but they're just, they're poor at this point, uh, is that 
you see his routes coming a lot of times. But like this, you, you just his footwork. I guess that's a, a good way to put it too. Is like you can just see him kind of letting you know like when those doubles are coming. He kind of slows down a little bit. Like he's just very much. I don't know if he's thinking through his feet and maybe he's trying to work on routes and that's why he's so in his own head. But his routes need a lot of work. I think that if you get him to clean up, he doesn't even have to be like perfection in his routes. But if you just get him to be an adequate route runner, I think you'd jump into tier two. But as of right now, like I said, he narrowly missed tier two. It's only because this class is so good. I just don't put him with the Higgins and the Pittman and the Justin Jeffersons of the world. Uh, that's just a big situation where, and to go back to the one, uh, the receiver from earlier, the same thing. He doesn't, he doesn't give his quarterback windows, not just only on the sidelines, but sometimes he can just, those routes, he can just run into and through, like he's just running in coverage. And it's just like, you just, just give your quarterback a window to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah. Brad, do you want to touch on that before we get to AGG? Yeah. So I, Chenault reminds me when I watch him play, he's actually reminds me quite a bit of DK Metcalf and they're, they're both big. Um, I, I think he would have tested better had he not had the core muscle thing. He tried to play through it at, at the combine or, or test through it. Um, ran a four, five, eight, which disappointed a lot of people, but I think he's faster than that because he literally had surgery like the next day or two days later. Um, so, so he pulled out of the rest of the testing. He wasn't healthy and we knew he wasn't healthy at the end of the season at Colorado. I think he tried to rehab it, get there and just couldn't get there. But they use this is I mentioned earlier that using him on the uh, the exterior things he ran the ball quite a bit at Colorado. Um, he he they even used him. It was interesting. He had one kick return in his in his career, and it was in a game against Nebraska where they were tied at the end of the game and they needed a big play, and he got a fifty four yard kick return to to put them into field goal range to win that game against Nebraska this year. That was kind of like that scenario of like, we got to have a big play. Let's throw back our best player there and see what happens. And he, he produced for him. I, I do like, I mean, on anything can happen on one kick return, but I do like the fact that they used him quite a bit rushing. I mean, he was getting three carries, five carries, three carries, three carries, one carry a lot during, during the career. They were trying to get the ball in his hands. Some of that is probably because he couldn't get open all the time as a receiver. Plus their quarterback sucked. I do think he is a bit of a project, but I do think he has immense upside. He might have the most upside of anybody in this entire class, but yeah. he, he's, he is gonna, it's gonna take him a while to develop. This is 1000% a guy that I will target after the 2020 season, assuming he doesn't blow up and surprise me in his rookie year, that I will do anything I can to get him after this year to have on my 2021 dynasty rosters. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, you know, Part of me is an Eagles guy, and I was talking selfishly earlier about the you know the twenty one pick of them just maybe taking somebody else or trading back and and maybe targeting him in the second round. He probably is the second round. I don't think he'd follow the third. Um, somebody that will probably follow the third definitely outside of the top one hundred, I'd say. And let's finish strong here, guys. Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty. I don't know how many games, <laughs> Brad. You watched Liberty? Uh, I'll, I'll be straight up and honest. Me, not a whole lot. But <laughs> well, watching some film. Of AJ of AGG recently, I mean, good size. We talked about size with a lot of these guys, but good size, decent speed for that size. It's just obvious. Six three two twenty three. When you watch, I mean, he uses his frame so well. He bodies guys out, boxes them out. But the level of competition, Jake, <laughs> not great um, to say the least. What do you? And I, and I know you like AGG because you have him in you know higher than most people. So what do you like about him? Oh, it's because I went to Liberty for a year and a half. <laughs> I went to a, yes. I went oh, to you're a, one of those I guys, huh? <laughs> Me too. No. And I live in Liberty Village, so that's why I like them. I went a year and a half and hated it and left. So that's kind of really all you need to know. <laughs> that's like that's the truth about it. But look, they did play against you know they hey they played in in Virginia late in the year. They played yeah. BYU. They played Rutgers in New Mexico. Is it Buffalo? Buffalo? Like there's some. Middle East, I'm not like yeah. these are world breakers. UMass, I mean, has some prospects every couple. Like, it's not world breaking. I think the biggest one there is UVA, and again, that's not even the class of the ACC by far. But you know, he showed out well for the entire year. You mentioned the size and the speed for it. The thing that always baffled me, and again, this might be a level of competition thing, but when you see somebody who's six three, two twenty plus, and similarly hides in the defense, like <laughs> he just find like he. 
he runs and finds space and zone like some slot guys do. And to see that, again, screw the competition. If you know how to do that, you're going to know how to do it in the NFL. Maybe not to the degree and the success, but you know how to do it. So the downside of him is I will say that some of the timing with his quarterback of when to break off a play, when to maybe, you know, I'll give everybody out there who's played Madden that does it again. You know, I'm not trying to talk down to him. I'm just trying to help people understand. But if you ever see a play in Madden that shows the wide receiver has like a route and then two great, like lighter colored routes, meaning that, you know, he can run three different ways depending on what happens in the play. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes on the receiver. It's a play where you're allowed to run three different ways. It's going to be depending on the coverage. Some of those he doesn't seem to be on the page of where's the quarterback going to be looking, get my timing, turn my head around, uh, you know, where do I freelance? And these are all like nitpicky things. This is why Antonio Gandy Golden is not going to be a number one wide receiver from day one or even a number two. But in three years from now, could he be a number two and a top 25 wide receiver? Yes. Absolutely. But that leap from Liberty to the NFL and those type of teachable things are going to take some time to be patient with Gandy Golden. Remember his name in two or three years. Agreed. Yeah, and I come I, on, Brad, I, don't I, bum us out here. I know he's not elusive, <laughs> and no, no, no. I, I totally get there, all that. But. I was really disappointed in his performance at the Senior Bowl, and that I, I had kind of high hopes for him going to that. And all, by all reports that I saw there, he was so bad in some of the practices that he basically lost reps. They they started throwing other guys out there in front of him and he wasn't getting even getting a chance to produce because they weren't impressed with him. They wanted to see the other guys that concerns me because that's NFL scouts that are running that thing. And if that, if that is legit, if that's actually what happened, um, that concerns me because he's going, he's not, he's going against decent cornerbacks at that, you know, at the senior bowl, but not the elite because all the elite guys are, are, are juniors that are not there. That's, you know, the, the guys who are going to go in the first, second round of this draft are not, um, senior cornerbacks. So it'll, it'll be, um, I, I see him as probably a day three pick. Um, I, I think he will get drafted, but I, I probably fifth, sixth round. And I think he's going to have to, to do quite a bit of work to, to stay on rosters for, for the three years to break out like, like Jake's saying. Wow. You really bummed me out there. Sorry. I say he goes in the fourth. I say he goes in the fourth. Fifth. Yeah. I mean, Fifth. fourth is what, like Kelvin Harmon. Like last year, a lot of people had Kelvin Harmon as the number one wide receiver in the class prior to the combine or whatever. And, and he ended up going in the fourth round. So, or not, is it Harmon? Or, uh, no, who's the guy the Cardinals drafted? I always mix these two guys up. <laughs> not Harmon from the Redskins. Hakeem Bustler. Hakeem Bustler. Yeah. Hakeem Butler. Um, he sucks. They should have had him there. Yeah, that's, that's who, I told it. Chris is laughing who, because that's what I said last year. That's yes. not me changing. Yeah. 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 And, and so many people had him much higher. And Hakeem Butler is actually quite a bit better athlete than, than Gandy Golden is. Gandy Golden's ran a 4-6, which is really disappointing. Um, you know, when you see a guy with that size and, and you're like, oh, I, you know, hopefully he's this freak athlete. And, and that's, you know, he's not. And that's why he went to Liberty. Well, Jake was spot on last year with his rankings and his uh, draft analysis, except for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. But to be fair, I mean, Howie Roseman was also uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh So make sure you go check out Jake's 2020 NFL draft rankings, top 88 players for uh, football. And, of course, you can do that by checking out theathletic.com slash free 90 days. Thanks to everybody for taking the time to hang out today. Again, I, we're just hoping to be a distraction. We have a show next week. We're going to talk about quarterback and tight ends and then we'll have another show before the NFL draft we'll talk about some more wide receivers we didn't get to today and some running backs we didn't get to last week so go back and check that show out as well again thanks for everybody for hanging out uh, Dave Gettleman uh, if you're listening Jake has a great article on the athletic a how to draft from home guide for NFL GMs at All in Kid at Brad Ziegler at Chris Meany we'll catch you next week cheers Mm-hmm.